Hi there, it's Anita Johnson. And just a quick request before we get started. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you catch our podcast. That helps other people to find us. And of course, give us a high rating. Thanks, and here's the show. Making, making, making contact. Making contact. (laughs) In a wide swath of America, states are introducing and passing laws that target transgender and queer people at a record rate. We were being who we want to be, and that was an agitation to a system, to a system that already was failing in terms of its oppression. These bills would effectively criminalize trans people from simply existing in public life. Trans people in this country face restrictions on life-saving health care, bans on names and pronouns, and arrests for just using the bathroom. You're going to take who you think is the easiest to pick off, and those are going to be the folks that the language to protect them is not in the law. Reporter Aaron Reed has calculated that up to 260,000 trans people may have already left their home states because of anti-trans legislation. And over a million more may be thinking about doing the same. She's created a map of anti-trans legislation in the country. 19 states are marked in deep red and categorized as having the worst active anti-trans laws. And that's not even including Florida, which is simply labeled do not travel. In June, Louisiana moved into the worst risk category. The state legislature introduced a variety of bills this session. Over the past few months, I've been working with Sophie Ziegler to bring you a story. It's about the ways activists are fighting for trans rights in Louisiana and how they had been more successful than other Southern states in their legislative organizing. So let me bring them on to help me introduce the piece. Hey, Sophie, how's it going? Hey, Lucy, I'm doing great. How are you? (laughs) I'm good, too. Can't complain. Um, Really excited that we're going to be getting out your your story to Making Contact. And so just to kind of start us off, can you introduce yourself for our listeners? Oh, absolutely. My name is Sophie Ziegler. I am an oral historian and legislative organizer here in Louisiana, specifically based in Baton Rouge. And I've been working a lot over the last several months on the legislative session that we've been having here, the 2023 legislative session. We've been seeing a lot of anti-trans bills coming through and just been staying busy with all of that. So, um, you know, tell, tell us how this story came about. Um, why did you want to produce this story and why do you think it's important to tell right now? Yeah, that's a great question. So just like across the country, here in Louisiana, we're seeing a lot of anti-trans bills being introduced and unfortunately passing sometimes. And just like the rest of the country, we have a beautiful community of trans and gender non-conforming folks. But we are a little bit different in one regard, and that is... Our community here seems more politically active, maybe it's safe to say, than in some other states. So we have a long history of being able to fight back against anti-trans bills here, anti-LGBTQ plus bills. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we've had openly trans and gender non-conforming folks working in the legislature, working in the governor's office even. We've been around, we've known lawmakers, we've introduced ourselves. It's hard to demonize a group of people that you happen to see at lunch every day. 
And so I think Louisiana is in a particular space right now where we're seeing the effects of the national trends happening, and we see the effects of those trends running up against long-held relationships and relationships that have been built with a lot of effort and a lot of care over the last decade. So just to give listeners a peek behind the curtain, um, we had this whole conversation about whether, you know, in our story, people would be able to keep up just with all these like bills and, and, and the numbers of the bills that are coming out. Yeah, absolutely. And this has sort of shifted as the session went on. So, you know, at the beginning, a lot of things will be introduced and they might not even all make it to committee. So at the very, very beginning of each session, it can look much worse than it ultimately is. But here in Louisiana, we have seen a variety of bills. Um, and they, as you mentioned, they all have their own numbers and they can be a little tricky to keep track of. They include HB 648, a ban on gender affirming health care for minors. HB 466, a ban on discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in schools. HB 81, which requires students to use the names on their birth certificates and the pronouns of their assigned gender at birth. Two others would restrict and censor library books that mention LGBTQ plus issues in public schools and libraries. So um, we get to meet, you know, a couple of student activists in, in the story. And um, can you talk about like why we ultimately decided just to use their initials um, and identify them? Yeah, the student activists, they're, they're fantastic. It's such a lovely part of the, the reporting process for the story. We chose to use their initials just as a means of caution, just as a, an additional layer of being careful with other people's stories, being careful with other people's narratives and identities. So one thing that we always want to keep track of here in Louisiana, but I think probably everywhere, right? When we're thinking about those of us who are taking a stand and pushing back, sometimes in public ways, against very powerful and very loud and often very mean-spirited individuals, we want to just be sure that those of us who are collecting, documenting, and sharing their stories are as thoughtful as possible. So this is just another layer of uh, attempting to protect young people who are doing a lot of brave work in Louisiana right now. This this like story has a lot of like heavy topics in it. And there were moments in it that that seemed, you know, very, very challenging, you know, to report. Um, so I guess my final question is just, you know, does anything give you hope at this point? Oh, Lucy, there was so much hope in every instance. It's really, that's one of the things that made this not only doable, but enjoyable. So there are a lot of heavy topics. There were a lot of Difficult moments over the last several months, thinking about this area, reporting on this area, talking to people who are deeply, deeply invested in the outcomes of this legislative session. There's also a deep understanding that this is a long-term struggle, that any one session could go well or could go badly, but we will be back at it again next year. But you always talk about joy. We always find joy. We try to lift each other up throughout. So hope is a constant theme all the way through. It's been really beautiful. Well, I'm so glad that um, we're able to like get this story out. And I'm so excited for our listeners um, to, to get to hear it. And just thank you so much for, for all your work on this. It's really been a pleasure. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I'm so excited to be part of this. And with that, let's take a listen to the story brought to us by Sophie. We are trans and we are 
is March 31st, Trans Day of Visibility, and students at Benjamin Franklin High School in New Orleans have organized a walkout. This is sound from a video posted by local reporter Marie Fazio. In the video, students are holding signs like Fight for Trans Lives and waving rainbow pride flags. Hundreds of students walked out of class that day to protest anti-trans bills introduced in the Louisiana legislature, like a bill that would ban certain books and one that would ban gender-affirming health care for minors. One of the organizers for the walkout is a student that we'll call F. I'm a junior at Ben Franklin High School, and I'm 17 years old. I think before that, there wasn't really any knowledge of what was going on, especially with stuff like the book bans. So I think the walkout was uh, really like good to spread awareness. I also spoke with another student that we'll call Z. I'm a sophomore at Ben Franklin High School, and I use he, him pronouns. Z is a leader in the school's Gay Straight Alliance, or GSA. When bills started getting introduced that were affecting queer people, I was like, okay, this is like, there's no option. I need to go and do something. You have to do something. Like, you're being attacked. This wasn't the first walkout. There was actually another one at the school last year to support trans and queer people that got a lot of publicity and support. But both students say that this year felt different. Last year, I like I read my diary from that day and it was like, this was one of the best days of my life. Everyone is so supportive of this and I'm so happy. And I was just really, really glad. This year was like, I don't know, it was still, there was a lot of energy, but it felt more like sad and like, pretty like broken. I do agree. The 2022 walkout was much more like, it was angry and I want to say like exuberant. Like it felt more like, um, like we were protesting in a way of showing our energy and showing like trans pride. And the 2023 walkout felt more like we were mourning the loss of um, potential rights. The difference in tone between the two walkouts makes sense to me. From a legislative point of view, things are getting much worse. This year, there have been more anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ plus bills filed in the state houses across the country than ever before. Often aimed at young people, these bills attack trans students' ability to play sports, their access to life-saving medical care, their ability to try new names and pronouns, and even what books they're allowed to read in school. With the increase of anti-trans legislation comes an increase in the backlash, too. F faced some of that for helping organize the walkout. And then, obviously, there was pushback from conservatives on social media and stuff, which was really funny. Um, My favorite thing was going onto Twitter and being like, yeah, thank you for telling me, a minor, that I'm a pedophile. I bet it has nothing to do with projection. For both F and Z, the fight is personal. If these bills pass, it would change their lives for the worse. For example... Minors wouldn't be able to get hormone replacement therapy, a central part of medical care for trans and gender expansive individuals. I take testosterone and it's been like one of the most amazing things that like I ever could have gotten. If you can imagine like something that like feels impossible to have, but would just be really amazing, but like it's not real and you can't get it. And then you get it and it's like, what? That's crazy. I can have this now. So it's been like really cool and I'm really lucky to be on it. The idea of it being taken away from me is like, I don't know, it's scary, 
when there's all of these things going on that make it feel like like what I am is like illegal. It's it's like hard to cope with the damage that it could do. The effects of the legislation would also be severe for F. So, yeah, I'm not out to my parents because they at the if I'm being very polite and giving them the best positive light. They don't understand um, being trans or being non-binary. And if I'm viewing them in the worst negative light, they're outright um, or outwardly transphobic. So things like the Don't Say Gay bill and the given the given name bill and act or whatever would uh, basically just take away any chance I would be able to be out and be able to like live comfortably. Um, it would greatly impact my mental health, being dead-named and misgendered um, for school. The stakes are high for these students and the many other minors whose lives are being debated in the Louisiana capital. These students at Benjamin Franklin High School are part of a surge in youth organizing that's emerged to fight anti-trans legislation in Louisiana. Shout out to the young people in Louisiana. Y'all are beasts. This is Pearl Ricks. Pearl is a trans and intersex reproductive rights organizer based in New Orleans. They are the executive director of the Reproductive Justice Action Collective, or REJAC. Pearl has been in this fight for a long time. What happened was community members gathered and decided we needed EC, we needed emergency contraception, we needed ways to have more control over our bodies. We need information on abortion access, or we need information on how many trans men need access to emergency contraception. Where do we find that? Are they even gathering it? No. Pearl, working through REJAC, is part of the struggle for intersectional liberation. This fight includes housing justice, sex worker protection, environmental justice, and more, because all of these are trans issues. It's trans rights work with a reproductive justice lens. We have no choice but to be intersectional in our analysis in order to do that because trans people look like all of us. Trans people, intersex people, queer people, there is there is a genocide happening to trans people, intersex people, queer people. It has been happening and the way that that hits black bodies is different. So let's bring this, this analysis into this space and see what it happens, the way that that hits trans and intersex and queer bodies that are incarcerated is different. And then if you pull, you know, folks that have migrated to the U.S. and they're being detained and blackness and all of these other intersections, it looks different. Pearl says it's vital for youth like F and Z to participate in the legislative process, but their voices aren't often heard in those spaces. Many students might not be able to make it to the Capitol, but Pearl is there. Legislative activism is different from other types of activism. It takes a special familiarity with esoteric rules and policies. It's a lot of educating people and finding ways to explain and humanize the harm that is so often coded as dry policy. It's also very difficult for most people to do. Potential laws are discussed in the middle of the workday, often with very little notice given. So it's difficult and it's extremely important. And that's why Pearl does it. I followed them on one of these trips to the Louisiana Capitol in Baton Rouge early one morning in April. Let me go ahead and start this recording. Okay, so this is Sophie. I'm in Pearl's car. We are in beautiful, beautiful Baton Rouge. <laughs> so good to be here. How are you doing today? Doing great. Woke up nice and early, had some coffee. Feel prepared for the day. 
and we are prepared to go to the capital, which is where we're headed now. Could you say just a little bit while you drive, if to whatever extent you feel comfortable <laughs> <laughs> splitting your attention about what it is that you hope to happen today? Or maybe actually let's start with what's, what's going on. Sure. So what's going on at the capital today is the Committee on Education, and they will be hearing HB 81 and HB 466. They are respectively the don't say gay bill um, and a pronoun bill. And also 466 would prohibit the instruction of gender identity and sexual orientation in schools. And it was one of the only two times that public testimony was going to be heard. Pearl and I parked about five minutes away from the Capitol. We braced for the day ahead. As we walk, Pearl tells me about the struggle of organizing and also the intergenerationality of their activism. Because it makes me feel like my activism is a birthright when mm. I see how it's played out across generations of my multiple bloodlines. Mm -hmm. You know, like the history of Black folks on this land and the purpose that I'm here now versus the purpose they were here 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. And it's just like, I don't know. I wish I knew. I wish I could see it glowing on the ground, the steps that my ancestors took in this space, you know? Yeah. We enter the Capitol and pass through metal detectors. We walk through a high ceiling hallway to get to the House of Representatives committee room. The committee members are seated on a platform at the front of the room. The rest of the space is taken up with seating for everyone who came to testify. And it was crowded. By the time our bills started, there was standing room only. Next bill will be HB 466 by Representative Horton. The Don't Say Gay bill, HB 466, would restrict any discussion of sexuality or gender expression from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. That would make gay-straight alliances, among other things, impossible on school campuses. So students like Z wouldn't be able to join the GSA because they would be illegal. We sat through more than five hours of testimony. People from all over the state showed up to plead with the legislature not to pass the bills. It was hard to watch. I sit before you today in opposition of this bill. I sit before you today in opposition of the proposed bill, HB 466. I sit before you today in opposition to HB 466. But in GSA, we're not teaching kids to be queer or trans. We're teaching them it's okay to be queer and trans. If a single adult in my life would have told me that, that would have spared me years of anguish. But when I think of this bill, I think of, um, I get flashbacks to my teachers and administrators um, constantly harassing me or bullying me. And we shouldn't have to beg for our humanity. You have never once stayed awake at night fearing that if you decided to put on a pair of pants, you might be assaulted the next day you went to school. Um, you've made a conscious choice towards uh, Louisiana that demonizes people like me, that assumes me as a threat, and makes our state less survivable for trans people. It's frankly very scary to come up here, and I know I only have a couple seconds, but this country is actively targeting people like me and a lot of my friends, and I don't want to have to leave, but if stuff like this happens, I'm going to have to. 
Hello again. Y'all are going to see a lot of my face this session. My name is Pearl Ricks. My pronouns are they, them, and I am asking you to oppose HB 466. Many people came up here saying that they represent students, some for and some against. Students of Ben Franklin held a walkout about bills like this. Our students have spoken very loudly. They've spoken across social media. They've spoken in the news. They have told us what they need, and I would really love to see a group of people in power to defeat this legislation, hear them, and answer them. So many people showed up to voice opposition to the bills, but despite their sometimes heart-wrenching testimony, both bills did pass the committee that day. It was a tough day. And that's the reality of legislative activism, long days at the Capitol that sometimes end in defeat. But those single days aren't the entire story, because the fight for trans rights has been ongoing for years. And it's been successful in the past. We're jumping in to remind you that you are listening to Making Contact. If you like today's show and you want more information, or if you'd like to leave us a comment, visit us at radioproject.org. There you can access today's show and all of our prior episodes. Okay, now back to the show. Louisiana has long been an outlier among southern states in terms of bills that target the trans community. That began to change in 2020 when a sports ban was introduced. In 2021, two new sports bans and several other bills that would limit health care for transgender minors were introduced. Those bills ultimately didn't pass. And a big reason they didn't pass is the presence of a statewide cross-issue coalition that's emerged to push back against the slate of anti-trans legislation. It's known as local. The Legislative Organizing Coalition for All LGBTQ Plus Louisianans. I sat down with Peyton Rose Michelle, the Executive Director of Louisiana Trans Advocates and co-founder of Local. So Louisiana Trans Advocates is Louisiana's only statewide trans-specific organization for a long time. We were one of the only trans organizations in Louisiana at all. The biggest resource that I think LTA can give any queer person is a community of some kind. And it was life-changing for me. We are here because we needed it to survive. Local was formed in 2021. That was the first year that we had to fight anti-LGBTQ legislation in Louisiana. The original group group, I think, was six people. Now, I would estimate we have upwards of 40 to 50. Local includes dozens of organizations working on a variety of issues, from reproductive justice in school libraries to fair housing. And Local is largely responsible for defeating all but one anti-trans bill during the 2021 and 2022 sessions. Because they were there, there were queer people in the building very consistently year after year, creating relationships with these people. That created a power because Louisiana does not have a friendly legislature. We literally have a supermajority of Republicans. But more and more anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ plus bills have been introduced, with Louisiana largely following the national trend around healthcare bans, library censorship, and so-called don't say gay bills. The 2023 session in Louisiana has been tough for the LGBTQ plus population. Local hasn't seen the same success this year that it has for the last two. The reason 
that conservatives have invested so much in fighting against queer, specifically trans people, is because they see that we have been making progress forward. I plea to queer and trans people, do not let these people overcome you with shame. It is not worth it. They are not right. They are not the majority. They're not legally correct. Constitutionally, they're incorrect. They have literally nothing going for them except they talk the loudest and have money. That's it. Activist Pearl Ricks is also part of Local, and that intersectionality that they bring to their work, it's also here in this coalition. I think that it's vital that we're able to to be in rooms where other organizations exist, where other individuals that want to plug in exist. And I feel like Local is a fantastic space to gather that information and also implement some fantastic strategy. In my reporting, one of the most common questions I'm asked is, why are there so many anti-trans bills? And why are they showing up now? This is what Pearl has to say about it. Transphobia, homophobia, just like the ick, the queers are gross, obias, have always been part of our communities. But there wasn't this, there wasn't uh, a switch to genocide. And then 2021 happened and all of a sudden, People wanted to talk about trans people. They wanted to talk about intersex people. They wanted to talk about gender being important. People were changing names. We were switching up pronouns. We were being who we want to be. And that was an agitation to a system, to a system that already was failing in terms of its oppression, white supremacy that was being chipped away at on a national level in many different ways, on many different fronts. So if you are a, a statue that is that is representing white supremacy, oppression, needing to have the underdog so that the upper dog can live, and there are many groups chipping away at you, you're going to take who you think is the easiest to pick off. And those are going to be the folks that the language to protect them is not in the law. So I think what happened was white supremacy, the the status quo, those that want to uphold the status quo said, okay, Who's being loud and annoying and disrupting what we're trying to build, and how can we take them out? The majority of these bills are coming from just a handful of conservative organizations. The trans community is one of the few minorities not currently protected by federal and state non-discrimination laws. Attacking the most vulnerable is an age-old runway to launching attacks on other groups. Already, there are efforts to restrict the rights of gay, lesbian, and other queer communities. Both Pearl and Local are committed to helping grow the new wave of activists. And the movement to support trans and queer rights in Louisiana is growing. I was at a trans rights rally in April at the Louisiana Capitol. And I spoke with a lot of people that day, including someone who is new to activism. Hi, my name is Sophie. What's your name? Hi, Sophie. I'm Danielle. It's a pleasure to meet you. What brings you to the rally? Well, I came to fight for the rights of other and myself, trans adults, youths, to make sure that our rights aren't taken from us. This would be my first rally, my first time hearing about it and uh-huh. first time attending. And I don't think it'll be my last because, you know, trans people must fight for our rights as well. The 2023 legislative session in Louisiana has been a roller coaster. And we're still waiting to find out the fate of these bills. 
But regardless of the outcome of any particular bill, legislative organizing now looks different in this state. And one thing is clear, people will continue to resist legislative attacks on the trans community, and they are not going to stop. The trans community continues to face systemic oppression and dehumanizing laws. Our story today featured trans, intersex, and queer voices. But this fight is in everyone's hands, and getting involved in the legislative process is really important. Here's Peyton Rose Michelle from Louisiana Trans Advocates again. Our legislative process is so inaccessible to the general public, and it's so confusing that I would encourage you to use that as a motivator to learn how a bill becomes law and what the process is like and how to call your legislator, which by the way is really easy. You just Google them and their office number pops up. Yeah, please do what you can do to get involved, understand what's happening. The story you heard was reported and produced by the amazing Sophie Ziegler. They have their hands in many other things, including the Mapping Trans Joy Project and the Solidarity History Initiative, which is part of LOCAL. The fate of the anti-trans bills we mentioned today weren't set in stone yet when we finished this episode for broadcast. For the most up-to-date details, check out the Louisiana Trans Advocates Legislation Tracker. We'll have the links to all these up on our episode page at radioproject.org. And that does it for today's show. You've been listening to Making Contact. I'm Lucy Kang. 